everyone. Welcome to episode 33, Scholarly Responsibility and Misinformation. This episode is part of the big rhetorical podcast carnival of 2021, and I encourage you to check out other podcasts related to the topic of misinformation in the classroom and the community during the week of August 16th and 19th of 2021. We'll be tweeting out those other episodes from our Defendant Published Twitter, so check us out there to get that information. Defend and Publish is a rhetorical podcast in several ways, which some of you may or may not know. Um, it is founded by Beth Hewitt, who is a rhetorical uh, rhetoric and writing scholar, so somebody that works in the area of rhetorical studies. Um, she's done a lot of research on online writing instruction and does work in that area in addition to writing coaching. And certainly many of our coaches at Defend and Publish hail from rhetoric and composition backgrounds. So just a note to those of you that are listening to this episode specifically as part of the carnival, I wanted to point out our shared rhetorical connections. So in our episodes, we usually run them from 10 to 15 minutes and I usually pick a topic and we explore it um, in, a, in kind of a deep dive, but along with some writing tips. So I'm going to do both of those, uh, both of those things today. Uh, what I'd like to do is really point out three areas that I think as scholars, we have a responsibility to combat misinformation and then ways that we can do this, right? So one of the ways that I think we can do this is certainly study misinformation. This is not a new, a new idea by any means, but there is a new journal to do that. And um, I always do videos of my podcasts in addition to the audio versions. So those of you that are listening to the audio only version, what I'm showing on the screen right now is a new journal by Harvard Kennedy School called the Misinformation Review. So Miss and then the slash bar information review. And in this journal, this online only journal, what they do is they actually publish scholarship about misinformation. So certainly one area that I think we can contribute as scholars is to study it. And for those of us in rhetoric, this is right up our alley to look at how language is being used, how uh, persuasive techniques are being used, where is information packaged in a way that might be deceptive or misleading? Um, you know, we might think back to the sophists for some of us thinking about how information is packaged. And I think this journal really does uh, um, an interesting job of, of looking at this type of the types of misinformation that are out there in a variety of fields and from a variety of angles. So one of the, the key things about this particular journal, and this would be of uh, interest to any of our Defend and Publish listeners, but this journal does publish uh, interdisciplinary scholarship, and you can also serve as a reviewer for it. So if you wanna check out the journal, I think it's a really interesting way that if you're doing any kind of research that has to do with misinformation, you might be able to uh, produce some scholarship in this area and be able to, to um, have a scholarly responsibility or take a scholarly role in that way. Another way that we might think about how um, we might combat misinformation would be to work with our language. So I'm gonna stop sharing this screen of this journal and I wanna share another site that we frequently talk about on our, um, on our podcast. And this one, hang on just a second, is the Academic Phrase Bank from, university, from the University of Manchester. 
I like this academic phrase bank for lots of reasons. It does offer a lot of transitional expressions and all this, this other, um, these other great tools for language. But what I really like about it is that it forces scholars to clarify what it is they're trying to do with their writing and what it is they're trying to do with their research. So for example, um, one of the things they have um, along the top is different moves you might make as a writer. So you might be introducing your work, you might be describing your methods, you might be discussing findings. And then on the left-hand side going down vertically, and again, this is on the screen, but the link to this will be in our show notes if you wanna check out the academic phrase bank. It also describes what type of writing um, writing techniques you're trying to do. And one of those moves might be, for example, being critical or being cautious or comparing and contrasting. And if you click on any of these tools, it gives you standard academic phrases to set up those moves. And what would happen by using some of these, so I'm gonna give an example, I'm gonna click on this being critical for a second. If I go to the being critical area, it, it offers a bunch of moves and distinguishes between them. So for example, it's not just enough to be critical when we're talking about when we wanna criticize other pieces of literature. And what it has here is um, uh, uh, standard phrases you could use to highlight the inadequacies of a previous study, or you might be critical by offering constructive suggestions to, fit, to um, address weaknesses in another study. You might be identifying a weakness in just one study versus multiple studies. And so what the phrase bank does that I think is a really good, um, good opportunity for us to combat misinformation is it forces us to get very clear about what it is we're doing in our writing and in the, the written scholarship that we produce so we don't mislead anyone. So academic phrase bank is certainly a second one that I would recommend. And then the last strategy that I'm going to suggest is actually stemming from a personal experience um, with one of my past works. Uh, one of the past works that I, I, um, I did a few years ago had a series of interviews in it. And one of those interviews um, misrepresented a situation where one per I, the one person I was interviewing was describing a situation. A third person was involved in the situation and the third person read the interview and said, wait a minute, this is not what happened here. The third person reached out to me as good scholars do and said, I, you know, can we just have a conversation about this? I, I just want to talk to you about it. And, you know, one of the great things about this particular exchange was that I learned very, very quickly that even with the best intentions where I felt like I was representing what my interviewee actually said, it showed very clearly to me that I did not have all the context for this particular situation. And that as a researcher, I was contributing to a culture of misinformation. And so, you know, one of the things that we try to do as writers is we try to stop that from happening. Hopefully most of us in good scholarly faith, we try to stop that from happening prior to anything being published. But there's always the chance that after something is published, there might be a situation that you were wrong about. And that's, uh, you know, I would say that's what happened with me. So one of the things that I've done to try to 
combat this, this culture of misinformation about this particular instance is that now I use that as a teaching tool in the classroom. So when I talk with graduate classes about scholarly publishing, I use this particular example and, and mentioned the, you know, the people that are involved in it and say, you know, this is not an accurate representation. I made a mistake here as a researcher. I contributed to the culture of misinformation. I did not provide enough context. So whether, again, whether it was intentional or not, or I thought I was doing the right research at the time, in this case, I was not, you know, I was not um, representing a situation fairly and accurately. And so here's again where a spot or a spot where I think that rhetorical scholars have the responsibility to look back and say, you know, here's a spot where I did not do as good of a job with this research, or maybe I didn't, I didn't um, present all the facts as accurately and clearly as I could have. And so acknowledging these mistakes, I think, really helps when we think about this research going forward in 10 years and 20 years. Um, at some point, I'll probably publish, you know, some kind of a follow-up on this particular situation. But the way that I handle it now is that I use it every chance I get in every kind of teaching context or in conversation about this particular um, scholarly work of mine. And I would encourage other people to do that. Um, the person that I, you know, that had called it to my attention that was, you know, affected by this particular interview um, was very kind and, you know, did not say that anything else was necessary. I, you know, offered, of course, to, you know, get a retraction printed and some other things like that. Um, this person did not feel that was necessary and was satisfied with me just kind of using as a, as a teaching example. Um, but that, that is one that I do think about now. So when I conduct interviews now, I have a, another layer of a protocol over these to make sure that I'm representing the, um, the conversations that I have in those interviews accurately and fairly. So all three of those methods, I think either studying the misinformation um, and contributing to a scholar, the scholarship of misinformation um, is certainly one way that we might think as rhetorical scholars about um, adding to our scholarly responsibilities by exploring that. A second one is certainly looking at how we might clarify our language. So using the academic phrase bank might be one way to make sure that we're not contributing to it. And certainly third, looking at research areas where maybe we're contributing to it, even if we were unknowingly doing it or found out after the fact. I would still argue even with something published, we would want to go back and make sure that we're, you know, as much as possible representing our research as accurately and fairly as possible. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and the rest of the episodes in the Big Rhetorical Podcast Carnival. So shout out to all the other podcasters out there that are making episodes on misinformation and happy writing. Mm -hmm.